0: welcome and thanks for tuning into our podcast my name is donovan my wife jessica and i are the lead pastors here at destiny church praha we know that today's message will bless and encourage you because the bible tells us that the word of god is alive and active if you want to connect in with us be sure to subscribe to this podcast follow us on social media or visit our website at destinypraha.com let's get into the word of you that don't know me, I usually get pretty wrecked when I'm preaching and I burst into tears, and I've already been tearing up this morning, so it's going to be a roller coaster. Um, but we're just, we just know that the Spirit of God is here this morning, and that He means business with each and every one of us. Um, thank you, Franklin, for that, and um, yeah, we're just excited for, for what God's going to do in this word this morning. Jessica preached um, a word that we did remotely last week, so a lot of us were away traveling back. Um, so we did a, uh, an online session. It's on the, on the podcast. I managed to um, listen to it on the way back from Germany. Jessica and I went and ministered at Destiny Nuremberg um, last week Sunday. It was a huge blessing for us. Um, God really uh, used us as a body there. It was beautiful. Um, so listening to Jess's podcast that Michael so graciously uploaded for us last Sunday, I was just really stirred. It's really challenging when your wife preaches a message that just knocks you for a, a six. Sorry, that's a cricket reference. That just really stirs in your heart. Um, and I was just preparing this word this morning um, that we've, it's part of a kingdom building series that we wanted to do. So over the next four weeks, starting last week, we, uh, we want to be able to build well this year. And this is the desire of our hearts in the season is to just build well, to build based on Jesus, based on biblical foundation, to make good decisions, to have good friends, good relationships, um, but order that needs to come out of a place of knowing who you are. So we did last, end of last year, the heart of the father, the heart of the son and daughter, knowing who you are in Christ Jesus and knowing how he expects us to build and how he wants us to build. And for you, for those of you that don't know, the Bible is a, is a handbook to life. You know, um, you can you can look at the Bible from various aspects. I've seen scientific economists preach from the Word of God. Is this mic maybe a bit loud? Am I shouting at you? I feel like I'm shouting. Um, so the Bible is full of very practical things, and we're going to get into some of those practical things this morning. And I've entitled this message, Build with Caution. So Jessica did an awesome sermon last week saying, Call to Build. And we really feel like, God wants to propel each and every one of you this year into building well, regardless of how qualified you feel you are, regardless of your skills, regardless of how much worth you feel in the kingdom of God, we know that God wants to do something special in your life um, this year. So as we just continue this message and this series, we're trusting for God to accelerate and put something into momentum in your life, in your hearts um, so that this year, as we start to build, as we do 2022, which maybe might not look so different from 2021, which didn't look so different from 2020, that we start to build super, super well. So I'm going to actually pick up from where Jess left off, because she ministered a word at the end, which just kind of gripped my heart in the car on the way back. Um, and I, I want to I just quickly, quickly read this. So she ended on 1 Corinthians uh, 3, and she was speaking about um, the apostles at the time that were building, and I'm going to read from verse, uh, midway through verse 10 of 1 Corinthians 3. But each one should build with care. So this is the apostles now talking to the people at the time, and I believe this is a message for us. Each one of us should build with care. So there's an instruction to build that we see in the word of God, but we should build with care. Verse 11. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one that already is already laid, which is Jesus Christ, the cornerstone, which we sang about a moment ago. Verse 12. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, straw, um, their work will be shown for what it is because the day, with a capital D, the day, will bring it to light. And I love this analogy. This analogy gripped my heart. What we build with is important because when the day, with a capital D, capital D when Jesus shines upon it, what will it reflect? Will it, st- will it withstand The expectation that the day, that Jesus puts upon it. I'm going to continue here. Their work, work, the builder's work, will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. Verse 14, if what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. Verse 15, if it is burnt up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet... Will be saved. I just love that scripture and I think it's so powerful. And I want to conclude in that um, this morning, the scripture I want to minister from is actually in Matthew chapter 7. So we're going to start there and we're talking about building. We're talking about the call to build. We're talking about God wanting us to build. Um, with him in our lives individually, in community, in this body, in your relationships in general, and to build well. And I'm going to get to Matthew 7 in a moment. But if we look at Psalm 127, verse 1 to 2, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. We do not want to be a people this year or a church this year that does things in our own strength. We don't want to build in vain. If God's over it, he can do what we can't do in a thousand years, I'm sure. Verse 2, unless the Lord watches over the city, the gods stand watch in vain. Lord, we need you to build well this year. Let's start in Matthew chapter 7. Let's go to verse 24 to 27 for those with the Bible this morning. And I won't be too long, um, but as I've labeled this build with caution, you will see in this passage... um, that Jesus, these are Jesus' words that we'll get into a moment, he's actually showing us how to build. He's cautioning us to things to look into as we build. Like I say, the the Bible's very practical. The Bible's very black and white. So this morning, we're going to address maybe some heavy things. But I think it's important as a church to be truthful and to go through those things and to understand and take take a sense check of where we are in our lives and how we're building and if we're building according to the Word of God. Amen? Cool. So let's do it. Verse 24. We know this all so well, this passage. It's called the wise and foolish builders. Therefore, anyone who hears these words of mine, this is Jesus' words, and puts them to practice is like a man who built his house on a rock. Verse 25. And I remember singing this song in Sunday school when I was a little boy. Indoctrinated at that point. Verse 25. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house. Yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. Verse 26. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. I think we've all heard this passage. We've all heard the analogy about the wise and foolish builder. I think the most takeaway from that passage generally is build upon the rock. Don't be like the guy building on the sand, um, which is not completely incorrect. Uh, But if you take this passage apart a little bit, there are two types of builders. Both of them are building. And if you go and look at this passage, and we're going to get into that now, because verse 24 starts with, therefore. (laughs) Therefore, everyone who hears these words, so here's a little Bible study for you. Whenever you see therefore, you need to go look at the paragraph above it. And when you go do that in this passage, you see that it goes all the way back to Matthew 25. And then you start to realize that this is the Sermon on the Mount, This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. The Sermon on the Mount in the beginning of chapter 25 starts with, Jesus sat down and his disciples started to gather around him and he started to teach. And he teaches. And then he says to those people that he's teaching to, the builders, the disciples. And it's not the 12 disciples, that's everyone that was following Jesus at the time. It was a big crowd. So we can naturally assume that extends to us as we call ourselves followers and disciples of Jesus, that's talking to us. So we see two builders, but we see Jesus saying there's a wise builder and a foolish builder. And when you look at this, both builders hear his words. Both builders are hearing what he's telling them to do. Both builders are hearing the cautions that he's giving in the Sermon on the Mount. But only one of them puts it to practice. Only one of the builders in this passage hears and puts to practice. And I think this is the challenge for each of us this year. Hear what I'm saying. We sit here every Sunday, we attend a Bible study, we maybe read a devotion in the week. If we're just gaining knowledge, if we're just sucking up, sucking up, sucking up, and never practicing, never putting to practice, or never practically implementing the Word of God into our life, sadly, by this analogy, we're like the foolish builder. Amen? Okay. we're look so serious this morning. So we want to be a people, both in our private capacities and as a church, as a body, that hear the Word of God and do what it says. Amen? Awesome. Because like that analogy I just read in 1 Corinthians, as we build, we want to build with the right resources. We want to build with gold and silver. We want to build with the good things so that when the day, when he passes over it, when it comes to light, it's beautiful. It it withstands the weather. It withstands the economics of the day. It withstands the social demographics of the day because we build well. But what is Jesus talking about? How do we build well? Verse twenty four. Therefore, anyone who hears these words. So I've gone out and I've tried to summarize Matthews twenty five through to twenty seven for you very quickly. Because I think I think there is some useful instruction here that is gonna help set us on a direction um, for twenty twenty two and how we do life together. And they are quite simple. There are probably things we've all heard already. But I need to call them out. And I need to say this is Jesus talking to his people. This is Jesus telling us, live like this, not like that. So we need to respond to that and put it into practice in our life. So chapter 25 of Matthew starts with the Beatitudes, which, by the way, we can preach a whole sermon series on, on its own. And then he goes through a passage, which I'll get to in a bit. He talks about... Uh, You're the salt of the earth, you're the righteousness of Christ, you're a city on a hill, Um, you're like a lamp that shines, nobody, you know, covers the lamp and puts it up on their dresser um, to shine, we know um, those analogies really, really well, and then he moves straight into the parts of caution, the instruction on how to be building, and he tackles some hectic things, we don't have time for everything, but he starts with murder, adultery, and divorce, right, hectic topics. Go read it for yourself. I don't want to unpack this in a huge amount of detail. But then the next couple of things that he goes through is really character-building things. He talks about us valuing the important things. He speaks to things of integrity. He speaks to general things of character. And I'm going to go through them very quickly. The first thing that we see um, in those instructions is oaths. He talks about oaths, and so often, and I'm going to touch on these very quickly, so often we'll be like, I promise you I did that. I swear I did that. And this scripture starts showing us very quickly that as Christians, we shouldn't be doing that. We shouldn't be swearing on anything that's of earth or in heaven. He says, let your yes be a yes or be no. And I think this is a caution to us to be who we say we are, to execute on the things we say we will do, and to be righteous people. There's no need to argue why you say something's yes. Your yes is yes. The next thing he takes a look at is an eye for an eye. And this is interesting because this is the whole turn-the-other-cheek passage. And I think this is important for us to get a a handle on because so often that passage is ministered or it's interpreted as be walked over as Christians, be meek and mild Christians. Listen, if if you go read about Jesus' life on earth, he is anything but meek and mild. Actually, the more I get to know him in the scriptures, the more I feel like I'm not masculine enough next to Jesus. Amen? The guy never had a place to rest his head. You know, he was bombarded with people all the time. He rebuked the religious leaders, the authority at the time. He cracked whips. That guy was, he was, he was crazy. And honestly, it somewhat offends me when I see him portrayed as this meek and mild individual uh, with a lamb in his arms. You know, I get, I get the, the, pitch, the picture of that, the analogy of that, but I think he was, nothing, he was nothing like that. And it pains me because so many men can't identify with Jesus Christ because of the way that we've portrayed him over the last couple of decades. So when you look at eye for an eye and you start to understand the times, you know, and it says, turn the other cheek. So when someone slaps you, turn the other cheek that wasn't reference to just take the punches, to take the abuse, to just continue um, people just telling you that you're worthless, that you're nothing, that you're hopeless. This is actually saying do not reciprocate evil for evil. But by turning the other cheek in that time was taking a stand for what you believe in, like bring it. It was almost an inverse effect of saying, is that all you got? And I think this is important for us to know as Christians. Come on. Your dad is the God of the heavens. He's the author of life. He's the creator of everything. Everything is in him and everything is through him. And he's given you an inheritance in his Holy Spirit. And then we want to be trampled on. We want to be walked over. Oh, no, you know, I shouldn't be pushing for that raise at work. No, you know, um, Yeah, you know, you're right. Um, Maybe I should just suck it up and not say anything. No, that's not who he's called us to be. We're people of authority. We carry the fragrance of the Savior who wouldn't back down, who didn't back down, who was probably the least popular person of his time and didn't care. He spoke truth. His disciples spoke truth even when they were persecuted for it. An eye for an eye. I think there's building with, when we talk about building with caution, I think he wants to uproot some of the the bricks in our life that we've laid for ourselves. Timidness, meek and mild. I don't think we're called to that. I'm not saying we're called to just be in everybody's face and be Bible bashing. But we need to be switched on. We need to be people that don't reciprocate evil or don't get riled up very quickly when people antagonize us. But we need to stand our ground. We need to know who we are in Christ Jesus and not compromise on our foundations. Love your enemies is the next one that he cautions us to. Ooh. Yeah, but I don't really have any enemies because you know, no one's bombing me at the moment. Yeah, okay, well, we've all, we're a bunch of personalities, right? Even in this room. And I think the challenge coming out of love your enemies, and we know the passage, I think when dealing with being people of integrity, people of character, I believe God this year is saying to us, and for me for the last year, he's been saying, are you praying for those that are persecuting you? And we don't really understand that word persecution. Let's just call it what it is. We don't understand persecution. But when someone comes up against you, when someone stands against something you believe in, when someone opposes you for whatever reason, I think the challenge there is to supplicate with prayer. I think our natural instinct is to be emotional. To get upset, to get defensive, to be on the back burner. But I think God's calling us to get into a position of prayer for that person. Because the word of God cautions us that we deal with principalities, not things of this flesh. And often when you see opposition, it's because God wants to rise up a standard in your life and you see that opposition come forward. I think God wants us to become people of prayer this year, praying into the very things that come up against us. Can we commit to that as a body? Do we understand that this morning? And we're going to see that in relationships. We're going to see that in our workplace. We're going to see that, sadly, probably even amongst maybe different churches. We're going to see that for different religions. God's calling us to stand our ground, not backing down. And he wants us to pray into the things that oppose us this year. I just think of Franklin now that just testified. You know, the things that oppose him, the things that come up against him, the things that looks like a Goliath, pray into those things. And I know in speaking to him a little bit, and also with Nate yesterday, this man stirred up some real faith. He intentionally put up a list, stuck it on his fridge. I don't know why he didn't just use an app on his phone. I thought being the age he is, maybe that would have been more feasible and sustainable. But he put this huge note on his fridge with the red marks, Lord needs to do this. Right, And he started ticking them off. God's calling us to be intentional with our time and our life this year. And I think he wants us to be intentional about those that oppose us and things that oppose us this year. Can we get ourselves into a position of prayerfully opposing? Whew. Then he deals with the section on giving, prayer, and fasting. And I love this because he's cautioning the disciples the people that followed him to say, when you give to the needy, make sure it's done in secret. When you pray, don't pray these elaborate prayers that just puff you up and fluff your feathers. Pray intentionally. Get to the point And pray in secret. We did a whole study last year on the secret place and how God rewards in secret. And then he does the same thing about fasting. Take... What God is stirring in your heart and do it in secret because he rewards in secret. And in a culture where everything gets posted online, I want us to be able to filter through this lens of God. And there's nothing wrong, I believe, there's nothing wrong in advertising and creating um, a sense of there's a need here. There's a need here. Social media is a fantastic tool. But we need to make sure, and this is a hard thing, this is why I've labeled it character today, is when we're posting, when we're advertising, when we're getting out there, when we're marketing these things, is it because it's, we're coming from a place of brokenness? For those that have Delara on Instagram, her whole feed this week was for Kazakhstan. Not because she was trying to gain followers, but because her heart breaks for her people. Her heart breaks for what is happening there. She can't get to her family. And I think that was a beautiful use of the platform to create awareness and to stir up people of the faith to pray into that situation. God honors what happens in secret. So this year as we give, like Franklin doesn't know who gave to him. I can tell you now, Franklin was on the byproduct of that person's blessing. But the real blessing was that person that gave. That person's going to experience something that God ordained, I believe, in his promises for that individual. Let us be a people that knows how to give. Let us be a people that pray intentionally. Let us be a people that fasts and seeks and hungers after the things of God. But let us not be flashy about it. Let everything be a heart thing. Nate phrased it well yesterday when I spoke to him. Let God sit on top of your heart on everything. Maybe filter the things this year through the character that God wants to develop in our life. Then when you carry on through Matthew 5 and 6, he starts to take on... Uh, And he wants you to change a perspective on things that are important. And basically what he's getting to there is that there are things of this world that aren't valuable to him. That don't have heavenly value. And I think he's calling us here to a different perspective this year. And the first section that he deals with is treasures in heaven. And that passage starts off with, do not store treasures in heaven. And, And, you know, I think a lot of us know this. But there's an instruction there to set your eyes on heavenly treasures. Set your eyes on eternal things. Things that have eternal value. Let me tell you something. Money in the bank doesn't have eternal value. And so often we can make those things an idol in our life. And I think this is what he's trying to say here. When he ends to say, where your treasure lies, there your heart is also. And we could probably preach a whole sermon just on this topic alone. And specifically, that paragraph ends with finances, which means that it's a real life issue that we need to deal with, that his followers needed to deal with. Where is your heart today? Where are you spending your time? Where are you investing your energy? I just saw my phone said this week, my wife's away, so my phone time's up 36%. Where am I investing my energy? I know I can't put money into cryptocurrencies because I watch it like I'm gambling. And I know it becomes an idol for me. It's something that I fixate on. It's something that I can't take 30 minutes to the word of God because I'm just thinking, oh my gosh, has it plummeted? Is it skyrocketing? That's my money. Are we putting our time into our work? Sometimes we throw our time and our treasures into our workplace thinking that we're building a career. We're pursuing something. Let me tell you something. God can use where you are at the workplace, as a resource to build kingdom. But he should always be the focus. You have certain treasures. Where are they? Where have you dropped them this morning? Where have you placed them? Yeah, guys, two and a half years ago, I battled the principle of tithing. I really did. I just could not seem to find money, spare money in the month to be able to put it towards the things of God. And this scripture spoke to me, going, well, that's a treasure of mine. That's a resource of mine. And the thing is, when I, when I didn't commit it to God, I was committing it into the world. I was squandering it. And he started to really teach me, and this is a correction, a thing that I had to bring into order and alignment in my life. And man, when I started to get the principles of what he's telling me about my treasures and where to put things and how to invest my time and my, my family and just getting correction in this area, he started to bring a release in it. And you know what? I can honestly say, I don't even look at my bank account. I don't. Jessica looks at it. I don't want to look at it because I don't want to know if I have a lot or a little, <laughs> right? Because my first, I'm, I'm just, this is, this is myself now. I'm not saying this is right or wrong. I'm just saying, When Jessica goes home to her family, I say, babe, just bless them. Just sow them. If there's something broken, fix it. If they need help, just pay for it, right? And it's her problem to worry about whether there's money or not. But my heart, when I'm not... Focus when I'm not idolizing my finances is to give and to bless and to make sure the people around me are loved and cared for because it's a resource God has given me. And for me, the treasure is to make sure people are protected and that my finances are extending kingdom and encouraging and loving people and not making sure that I've got the latest pair of Adidas shoes on my feet. Amen? Whew! Preaching to myself this morning. You cannot serve two masters, the word of God says. Listen to this you cannot serve two masters. You cannot serve your boss and God. You cannot serve your money and God. We can even idolize church sometimes. We can find our identity in serving in this body. You cannot serve two masters. You've got to be serving God. He wants us to make sure we're taking our eyes and putting it on Him this year. Amen. Then it carries on do not worry, do not be anxious. And you know what, I just love how this flows, because when you take your eyes off the things of this world and you put it on him, the anxiousness goes out the door, fear goes out the door, loneliness goes out the door. It continues into judging others. The analogy of take the plank out of your own eye before you start operating on your brother's eye, taking the speck out of his eye. And I think this is relevant to the time. We, we live life vicariously through other people. I just love it. You know, someone travels once for three days over a weekend to the Bahamas. And for the next six years, they're posting those same pictures. They took 3,000 photographs in different angles. And all of a sudden, you think, my gosh, this person, how do they manage to squeeze in paradise and just earn a decent wage to survive? It's incredible. You know? And we start to judge people. We're all guilty of that. I'm guilty of that. Going, well, how does this person afford it? How can this person do it? Do not judge others. We are all on a different journey. We are all on a different speed with God at the moment. He's got us all on a personal journey. I think the challenge inverse there is to help each other, to encourage each other, to come alongside each other, not to judge. You know, the crazy it is, the older you get, guys, the more you look down on the next generation and you're like, oh, don't make the mistakes I did. You know, I I see you going in the wrong direction. I see the error of of what you're enduring at the moment. And it's so difficult even for Jess and I as pastors to look at that and go, well, it's kind of obvious what the problem is, you know? And we need to be in a a place where we're not judging, but we're encouraging, we're praying through, and we're allowing God to do something in the life of that person. What I love about this particular passage on judging is it also says, do not scatter your pills to the pigs. Do not scatter what is sacred to the dogs. And I love this, and I actually looked into it a little bit. Because um, in the setting of the day, uh, pigs were what they deemed unclean animals. Dogs were running sort of stray, I guess, much like I imagine Romania. Um, So I've just heard dogs in Romania. Uh, But kind of the animals at the time just sort of wandered free. And this analogy, when it says, do do not scatter your pulse to the pigs, saying when you're not actually scattering um, food, when you're scattering things that are not of consumption to the pigs, you're actually antagonizing them. And what they're warning us, what they're cautioning, what Jesus is cautioning us to here is do not take things of heavenly and eternal value and squandle them on hard hearts and hard heads. You hear what I'm saying here? God can 100% move with somebody that constantly opposes and constantly rejects the gospel, right? But there's a word of caution saying do not waste your time being caught up on this thing when the gospel could be spreading like a wildfire over here. So there's also caution to how we build. And I think sometimes we want to get into this place where we're challenging and defending the word of God, especially with those that have a science and a mathematical background and want to just take it on for face value. George, I see a success. Going, oh, George, that's you. <laughs> Stefan, that's you. I was never called to defend the word of God. It stood the past two and a half thousand years without me being there. Right? Amen? Do not scatter pills to the pigs. Be cautious to where you spend your energy, on who you spend your energy this year, even in your ministry. Amen? Cool. Ask, seek, knock. I love this. We do not have because we do not ask. And this passage is saying, like that first song that we said, your presence is an open door. He's saying, come to me, ask, seek me, you will find me. Knock and the door will be opened unto you. The problem is we don't ask. We don't seek him. We don't, we're not banging down his door going, more of you, God. More of you. I need more of you in my life. I need more of you um, and, and the framework of your word over my finances, over my relationships. Father, I need to sort stuff out in my life. Show me how to do that. Ask, seek, knock. Maybe just get that this morning. Maybe ask the Father. When you're stuck, maybe just ask. And then he cautions us to a warning in the the next sections. Am I good on time, Abel? And he warns us. He goes on to the narrow and wide gates, saying that basically um, the road to righteousness is narrow. It's difficult. So let me tell you something. When you're journeying with God and you're like... Jeez, everything is like styling. This is just amazing. Being a Christian is like, woo! you know, people just love me. My bank account's overflowing. My cryptocurrencies are like off the charts right now. I can tell you now that's not how it's designed. Actually, if you go read the life of disciples, most of them died horrible, excruciating deaths for pursuing Jesus. Most of them were flogged, beaten, imprisoned. The road to righteousness is a narrow one. There's going to be opposition. It's going to be tough. But it's all part of the character building. And I think we need to be alert this year as we build. Just to caution, are we on the right track? And then he concludes with true and false prophets and true and false disciples. And I love this because he says there's going to be those amongst you that I don't know. There's going to be those amongst you that claim to be my followers. That claim to be prophets sent from God. God but I do not know them. And in fact, the section where he deals with true and false disciples, he says, again, like in the passage with the wise and foolish builder, if people are not doing the will of my father, I don't know them. That passage says, some of you will come to me in those days and say, we cast our demons, we prophesied in your name, and I'll say, get away from me, I don't know you. There's caution here to keep the main thing the main thing to keep Jesus the main thing this morning. We want to be people that hunger after Him. We want to be people that meet with Him in the secret place, that allow Him to bring correction and discipline in our life, that allow Him to give us fresh perspective on things that really, really matter. Because when I read over Matthew 5 and 6 and 7, He He is so obsessed with your heart towards Him. I think he cares less about the outworkings of what you're doing, but more about your heart and the position of your heart, and that your heart is in alignment with his. I want to conclude in this. When you read chapters 5 through to 7, and you go through these topics like we've just gone through, some of them are culturally opposing to the current norm of the day, the current default. Of the day, some of them will be very difficult for us to fix in our lives, but He's given us His Holy Spirit to ask, to seek, and to provide guidance as to how we should be building this year. In summary, in chapter 5, He's telling us this 5 through 7 If we want to be kingdom builders, if we want to build on the solid rock, we need to look at the tools that we have in our apparel. And we need to make sure that we're building on the foundation of Jesus Christ. And the only way we can build on the foundation of Jesus Christ is by knowing His commands and His will, which is written clearly in His Word. This is a challenge for each of us to be in His Word this year. And I urge for each of you to go listen to Jessica's message from last week. Go read through Matthews 5 and 7. Get it in your heart. Make it the compass of your year for 2022. Make sure that you're following the correct instructions and that you're using the Bible this year as a, as a handbook, right? Just keep reading it, even if you don't understand it. Its power is that it filters through you and it drip feeds to you, and it starts to do a transformation. It's not a storybook. It's not the latest fictional novel off the shelf. It's designed to work even when you don't see him working. Read the Word of God. If you're not going to spend time in the Word of God, you're not going to see this stuff manifest in your life, right? Make sure that when you're forming opinions for your life, when you're making good decisions for your life, that your opinions, your framework, that the lens that you're using is not formed through social media, through the news, through what your colleagues say at work, which I think we have a habit to do in this day and age. And you know what the craziest things? Those algorithms work against you. You look at last year's. You've got people protesting completely different things, opposing ideas right next to each other, just because they're all plugged into different social media feeds. Make sure you're getting instruction and forming opinion on the word of God because you want to build on the solid rock. And I'm going to close with this. In chapter 5, it says, You are the salt of the earth. If you accepted Jesus Christ into your life and you claim to be a follower of His you are the salt of the earth you are the salt that He has that adds flavor to this world but if we don't keep His commands if we don't bring these areas of our life into alignment with His this analogy says it's like salt that loses its saltiness it loses its core function it loses its essence of what it is I want for all of you to live a life in abundance and a full life in 2022. But I know that I know the only way that we can do that is by keeping core to who we were designed to be as God's people. You continues to say, you are the light of the world. You are a town built on a yield that cannot be hidden. Let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in heaven, the scriptures say. And we conclude with where I started. 1 Corinthians 3 verse 12. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. Can we close our eyes for a second? Father, we just acknowledge your word as divine. We acknowledge your word as wanting to move us forward, propel us in the things of Christ. Father, I think so often we want to fixate on the cool, fluffy, good-feeling things of your word, Father, and then dismiss the direct commands and instructions that your word gives us, which are so fundamental to who we are as followers of Christ Jesus. Lord, I pray that this morning, as this word went out, Lord, that it starts to take root in our hearts, that it starts to stir us to understand first what your word says about a particular subject or topic. First, what your word says, Father, before we start to consult parents, which are from a completely different generation, our advisors, our coaches at work, our mentors in this world. Father, that may We channel life through you. Your word is just so full of instruction. It is so full of wholesome goodness, fundamental, foundational stuff, Lord. And you're saying, Be like the wise builder. Listen to this and put it to practice. Father, may we be a people where our yes is our yes and our no is our no. May we be a people that are so rooted, as Ephesians uses the word, rooted in you and your love father that we cannot be moved that even when opposition comes against us lord that we can just we can just stand our ground no compromising father and father i know because i've seen it in my own life when we start to put to practice your instructions father you start to bring blessing into those areas in our life and I don't know about you, church, but I want my finances to be blessed by the Father. I want my relationships to be blessed. I want my marriage to be blessed. I want my workplace to flourish. So Father, I just pray for every heart this morning that heard this word. And I ask for the seeds that were planted this morning to take root and to germinate in our lives. Help us, Lord. Help us, Father. We're asking we need more of you to make sure that we're doing things according to your will, and according to your instruction. Help us, Father. We are just people. We mess up permanently. And Father, we just thank you for your grace, your forgiveness, your mercy towards us, Lord. So we just honor you. We give you praise in Jesus' name.